everyone, this is Tiffany. And this is George. Welcome to our podcast, Richness of the Word. So today, we're going to be going over chapter 4 of Esther. That's right. Where we just left off, Haman has had the decree put forth. The king has signed off on it to exterminate the Jews, uh, basically commit genocide throughout the Persian Empire. And now we get to see the reaction of Mordecai and Esther. And this is kind of the, you could say, the beginning of the second act of the book. I think as we see, as we look through this chapter, uh, I think the main theme we're going to see, not only in this chapter, but also as we've been seeing through this book, right, is God has been orchestrating things to ultimately bring him glory. All these things that look like circumstances, it's actually God who's all behind it. Mm-hmm. And you know, what does that mean for us? Well, I mean, it means at times we're, we are going to have to trust the Lord and do the right thing, even if we know it might cost us, right? On these occasions, we have to remember that God is always working for our good and his glory, and we need to trust him that he will uh, vindicate us. Uh, for doing what is right, even if this vindication might not even come until after our deaths. Mm-hmm. Starting in the uh, chapter 4 in verse 1, we have Mordecai tears his clothes, right? Puts on sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine being told in every single language, just in case you didn't know mm-hmm. one of the however many they had at the time, that they're going to kill all of your people in a year's time. Mordecai probably blames himself for it. He knows, you know what? It's because I wasn't bowing to Haman that this whole thing is going to happen mm-hmm. now. So you can just imagine all of the weight that he has on himself thinking, this is happening because of me. All, all of these people are going to perish because of me. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Mordecai, right? All the Jews are mourning they're fasting, there's weeping and lamenting, wearing sackcloth and ashes. This implies prayer, mm-hmm. okay, again, as, but as we've seen in, in the book of Esther, the author leaves, you know, it, he omits mentions of God in this book because, again, he's trying to make the point that God seems invisible and he's not there, but he really is. He really is, yeah. Um, and that's just one of these examples. But, but we know that fasting and sackcloth for the Jews, it's, it's, it's a calling upon God for mercy and salvation, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think that's important. Mercy, the Jewish people, if, if you are truly a follower of God, you know, you, you know you deserve death. Yeah. The Jews could easily go, you know, we actually deserve what we're about to get from Haman, uh, but we're going to call upon God for his mercy uh, to instead deliver us and, and to remember his promises to us. Mm-hmm. And of course, Esther is up in the palace. She has no idea what's no going on. No clue what's going on, living out, you know, her life is whatever she's doing in the... I don't know, whatever she's doing in there. <laughs> whatever queens do. <laughs> whatever queens do. As <laughs> we see Esther... Has no idea what's going on. Mordecai shows up in sackcloth, and she actually sends one of her eunuchs down with clothes for him. Like, hey, here, put these on instead. Why are you wearing this? Put these clothes on. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, this should make you happier. 
Put these on so you can come talk to me. <laughs> and it's, of course, when Mordecai's like, I'm not changing clothes, that she's like, oh, something must be wrong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me find out what it is. So I want to make note, one of the reasons why Esther is telling her eunuch to bring him clothing while he's standing at the gates, you know, weeping and wailing and mourning of, you have to wear clothing, not sackcloth, when you enter into the king's court. Right. You gotta be dressed nice. The king does not want any sadness around him. Yeah. It offends him. It offends him. He's You could potentially be showing him what he's doing wrong, and he doesn't want to see any of that. So... In order for Esther to have Mordecai come in to mm-hmm. the palace and see him and see her and discuss everything, she has the eunuch go down to, to give him the clothing, which he decides, I'm not putting that on. I'm still mourning. This eunuch, Hathak, his next job now is basically he's going to be the messenger boy uh, between Esther and Mordecai. And you can only imagine him having to run all the way to a uh, harem. I guess where where Esther is. Where she is, yeah. Get her message. Run all the way back down to the gate or the outskirts of you know of the palace. Mm-hmm. Get what he says, and then run all the way back. He, I, I'm sure he was exhausted by all this and probably frustrated with <laughs> with Esther and Mordecai with all their back and forth uh, going on. Well, yeah, because to him this probably didn't affect him at all. He's probably not a Jew, and so to him it's like ah. Eh. What's the big what's the big deal? Because at this point, Esther has not revealed that she's Jewish. And now we see it. Mordecai is like, this is the our, our our way to to be saved. Esther is you to go to the king. You're the queen. Save the Jewish people, right? He Mordecai has commanded Esther before to keep her Judaism secret. Mm-hmm. And now Mordecai is like we need to reverse that, right? Esther's private faith must now become public. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we, and that's Even something today. that's applied to, right. You have a lot of people want to keep their faith private. Yes. If I share my faith with you, are you, go, are you going to reject me? Are you going to treat me differently? If I share this with you, are you going to hold me to a different standard? If I share this with you, are you going to judge me if I share this information with you? There's so many things that can go through your mind by stepping out and, and sharing the gospel with different people. I think in, in some ways we can sympathize with Esther here, having to come forward with her faith. Although at the same time, today in 21st century America, the consequences of sharing your faith and going to the king and being like, hey, here's the deal. The consequences for Esther are going to be a lot worse, <laughs> as, as we see. Right, Esther's Esther's response is basically Mordecai. You don't understand. <laughs> this is this ain't gonna work. I'm just gonna get myself killed. Um, the Persians had a thing where you can't come into the palace or or come before the king unless he calls for you. Right, he has to summon you to come into his palace or to come into his inner circle. There's a law for that. If you are not summoned and you try to approach the king in his inner court, the law is you're put to death. Right. Unless the king actually holds out his gold scepter and says, no, no, spare this person. Yeah. In fact, Josephus, uh, ancient historian, wrote that there were men with the king in his throne room 
armed with axes just for this purpose. If somebody were to come in and who is not summoned by the king so they can execute that person on the spot. This seems a bit intense. <laughs> I mean, a bit. someone wants to come and talk to you about whatever it is they're wanting to talk to you about. I don't believe they need to have their head cut off. But don't forget, this is the king, and he doesn't like being inconvenienced. Which, reminder, how he dealt with Vashti. That's kind of the unspoken word there for Esther, right? Like, Mordecai, do you remember Vashti? Remember how the king reacted in, in such a rage when she insulted him? The, the king of Persia here is, he's got an anger problem. He has got some serious rage, some self-control issues, mm-hmm. and he's... It, I don't know how it's going to end up when I walk in there. In fact, she says in verse 11 at the end, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So Esther's not even like the king's favorite anymore. She hasn't seen him in a month. He's probably been calling some other girl in Mm -hmm. uh, from the harem. And so she hasn't even seen him. She's like, I don't think I'm on good terms with him right now on top of all this. Right. I haven't seen him. I haven't spoken to him. In 30, in 30 days. That's a long time to not speak to somebody that you're supposed to be married to. <laughs> right. You think, you know, That's there's probably odd. something wrong with that relationship. Right. And so um, a little bit. <laughs> but I like this. I like this. I like Esther. That Like the story. I like this story. And I, and I feel for her, right? This story, this part shows that it's real. It's not like, it's not moralistic, this story. Esther's not immediately like, yes, I will go because I am brave and I will trust in the Lord, you know. Yeah. Instead, we, Esther feels anguish over this predicament and so should we. Mm -hmm. You can see her wrestling with everything that's going on. He hasn't seen me in 30 days. I don't know how well this is going to go over. You can see the anxiousness that she's kind of fighting in her mind mm-hmm. through this whole process of okay well what can happen you know what what's going to happen if i go if i go see him i mean honestly i'm terrified about walking into my boss just at work and being like hey uh listen we need to work on this this and this yeah i mean and, <laughs> and, and honestly she's of course, her thing is about, well, I have to save these people. But she also knows, listen, if I go in there, I'm, I'm just going to die. Let's be honest. Th- th- it is m- far more likely than not that I'm going to be killed for this. Mm-hmm. It would be one thing if she had been seeing him every single day. She would have the confidence to go in there, you know, right. and, just, and just have this conversation. But it has been such a long time since she's had any type of interaction with him. That that's the part that's so scary and intimidating. Mm-hmm. However, I do appreciate when Mordecai's response to this. Right, verses 12 through 14. I'm reading, so mine's the NIV version that I grabbed tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> her, her, her selection for this evening. So in verse 13... Um, his response his response back to her is just so god is not mentioned in here but it is so full of 
him and their faith in him. Mm -hmm. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. And just the confidence that he has in reminding her of that, that if it's not you, it's going to come from somewhere else. Mordecai realizes that God is quietly but powerfully at work. He recognizes God's providence. And he also knows that God will accomplish his purposes even if his servants refuse to obey his will. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he realizes Esther could be the means, but God is not restricted to this plan if Esther decides to remain silent. God's mm-hmm. greater than that. Um, in the end, right, God is the source of help and he is faithful and Mordecai recognizes this Mm -hmm. and then he ends up going on to say and who knows but you have come to royal position for such a time as this you're in this position for a reason you're in this spot for something greater than than you see so it it begs the question of us have you ever thought about how you are, wherever you are in your life today, this week, this period in time, the 2020s, where you work, who you see daily, or that one time you met that sweet lady at the grocery store and just started having that conversation with her about Jesus. Aren't you alive right now in this very moment for your such a time as this? Right, just as Esther's life has been providentially ordered to put her in position by God to deliver the Jews. I mean, you have the king at his celebration in chapter one gets drunk and he requests that Vashti comes out and then Vashti doesn't come out. And so then he decides that they have the beauty contest. It just so happens that Esther is the most beautiful woman in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all these things. Out of four over 400 women that he had meet with him. Right, so all these things happen and... It's like God was clearly behind this. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, listeners, think about like where you're at today. Your job, the town you live in, the family you have. It was all these little teeny tiny coincidences, wasn't it? That all just kind of built up to this. Mm -hmm. God has exactly where you are right now for a reason. It's part of his plan uh, to bring himself glory. And there's days where you think, this is so hard what I'm doing right now at this job or where I am in my life. It's hard. But yes, life is hard. No matter no matter where you are in your life, in your walk with Christ, when you're trying to share that information with other people. But it's about stepping out boldly in your faith, knowing that it's Christ through you that is doing these things. It's not you. So just like Mordecai and Esther they're going to be saving these people. So Esther asked Mordecai to fast with all the Jews in Susa. It's not stated, as we discussed earlier, anywhere, but when they fast, they're also praying. And so when Esther asked him to fast, to not drink anything, to not eat anything for three days and three nights, they're, they're praying. They're constantly praying for three days and three nights for this entire group mm-hmm. of people. Yeah, prayers implied. Um, this shows that Esther, and just as as you said, Tiffany, for people who are uncomfortable with 
serving God and stepping out in faith, it's important that we remember that God is the one who is powerful. God is the one who will vindicate us. He's the one that's always working for our good and his glory. And Esther sees that, mm-hmm. right? She is, she's going in. She is going to go see the king, but it's not on her strength. It's not on her ability. She yeah. is submitting to the will of God. And that same lesson can apply to us. Um, famous preacher, R.C. Sproul, I've quoted him a few times in this podcast. You know, he has said, never has a Christian been called to make his personal security the top priority of his life. And in fact, even Esther, right? One of the most famous lines from, from Esther is found right there at the verse, end of verse 16. Uh, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mm-hmm. I mean, what courage. Right. She is, she's like, it is better to die in obedience than to live in disobedience. Because even though she's the queen, she still has to be called upon. And she's very aware of what could potentially lay ahead for her as soon as she walks in that door. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's very important in this passage that all of the Jews in this town and her maids, they're all going to fast for these three days to pray. And I feel that they're praying for these three days for that when she does step out and she does go into his inner court to have this conversation with him. So she's putting everyone above herself in this situation when she does attempt to go to his inner circle and talk to him about the Jewish people, showing her love for God and her people above herself. And once again, this is applicable for us, right? We, as Christians, must speak up for what is right, even if it costs us, right? It could, might not cost us our life, like Esther. It could cost us our comfort, our security, jobs, popularity, and so on. But we need to trust God, speak up, do what is right. Mm-hmm. And notice at the very end, verse 17, it says, Esther ordered him, right? Verse 17 in the ESV, my version, Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther is now ordering Mordecai. Uh, It is at this point that we have a change in Esther. Before this, she was passive. She did whatever the men told her to do. Mm -hmm. And she was not... She had not been the most admirable of characters as she, you know, broke all these laws and rose to become queen of Persia. But now she's taking center stage. She's become active. She's going to be the heroine. She's trusting God's hidden providence, even though she had no idea how this is going to turn out. Yeah. Right. But she is now taking action and she is going to be the person acting throughout the rest of the story. It's really cool to see her shift from I am going to be obedient to my cousin who's telling me everything that I, I need to do for me, for for the betterment of me and for him. And you see this shift of this is what I'm going to do for our people. This is what I need you to do in order for this to happen. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting so that when I do walk in those doors, 
yes, if I perish, I perish. But if I don't, what, what, what will become of us and our people? So that concludes chapter four in our study of chapter four. Uh, next week, we'll look at Esther chapter five. Uh, but before we go, we do have a few discussion questions for you to use with your small group, family, or just in your own uh, private reflection. Number one, God has you at your job, in your family, in your circle of friends, in your town, and so on, right now for a reason. What is that reason? Number two, what is God calling you to do that you are hesitant to follow through on? Why do you hesitate? Well, how does remembering God's sovereignty and love encourage you to now obey? Finally, number three, I want to leave y'all with a challenge. Fasting is a great way to get your mind on spiritual things. When people would fast, obviously they would become hungry. You'd have Mm -hmm. the hunger pangs and Mm -hmm. and everything. And whenever they would feel that hunger, because it was always with them, they would it would remind them to then pray about whatever it is they needed to pray for. So I want to challenge you, okay, don't tell anybody, okay, this is between you and God. And a little bit between us. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, but, you know, eat a nice meal tonight, but then go a day, you know, without eating food and spend time in prayer uh, and it can be whatever it is you want your that is, that God is laying on your heart. It could be this nation, it could be your family, it could be your job, whatever it is that you feel God needs you to be praying for, praying about. Fast that day and spend that time in prayer. Every time you're like, "Ooh, I'm hungry," take a moment and lift up your concerns to the Lord. Because what does 1 Peter 5 verse 7 say? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Thank you for listening and we pray that the Lord has shown you the richness of the word. Mm -hmm.